there. This is Motley Fool Answers. It's a brand new year and same, just really great answers. I'm joined by Robert Brokamp. He's the advisor on Motley Fool's Rule Your Retirement. He's also a certified financial planner and has won several dance contests in his life. It's true. Little unknown fact. Yeah. From square dancing to couples dancing. So I'm also joined by Diana Yoakum. She's a personal finance expert here at The Fool, author of Motley Fool's Guide to Couples in Cash. And she played the violin until age three. Wait, started at age three. Mm-hmm. And then she decided to rebel at 15 and take up the cello. Yeah, take that, mom and dad. <laughs> You're so tough. <laughs> rebel. So the bottom line is Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Insert noisemakers here. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. We were going to bring in some noisemakers, but instead we're just going to yell Happy New Year at you. It's the year of the wood sheep in the Chinese New Year. Just just keep that The what? The wood sheep. The wood sheep. The wood sheep. And it's traditionally a bad year to have a kid, so people in China have been rushing to make children before this year. True story. It was in the Washington Post. (laughs) I don't even know what a wood sheep is. I don't know either but I'm not going to be making any babies anytime soon. So today we're going to give you our five-point checklist so that you can have a financially fit 2015. Then we're going to have a quiz bowl time where we're going to pit mono e mono. The latter one is Diana. The latter one is Diana. So let's just get started. Now, we're we're not going to call these resolutions. A lot of people call them resolutions. They'll be like, here's your financial resolutions for 2015. 15, but we're not going to do that because we know you're not going to keep your financial resolutions. And you're not going to keep any of your resolutions. So instead, we're going to give you five things to do, five super easy things to check off your list here so that we're going to set you up for just a great year financially. Yeah. First one prepare to die. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, we're starting with the uplifting one. (laughs) But seriously, emergencies. Uh, happen. They don't tend to announce themselves. They don't tend to, you don't schedule, oh, hey, I think I'll get into a car accident on June 13th uh, and be unable to take care of my uh, my important financial matters for a week or so while I'm recovering in the hospital. So Or dying. Or, because let's be honest, we're or dying. about you dying. Right. So you can mitigate the financial and the personal upheaval by filling out a couple forms. Um, and this is this is something you do as a gift to your loved ones. Oh, the gift that keeps on giving. It is. It's so thoughtful, honey, that you filled out a living will. That's one of the forms that you should have. It's also called uh, an advanced medical or health care directive. And that's the one where if I need to be put on various degrees of life support or whatever, yep. I do or don't want that. Yep. It, it, essentially. It, it, it empowers others to make medical decisions. Um like exactly that, how you want life support issues handled. And this is a form it's easy to get. Uh, you can get it from your doctor, or your local hospital or senior center, or even find your state medical association. But simple form to fill out. Just have one on file. Uh, let your loved ones know where that is. And it will help them avoid a lot of heartache and, and headaches. And the second uh, second important document is to establish a durable power of attorney for finances. And similarly to this, this names someone to take care of your financial affairs so that they don't fall apart while you're not conscious. Conscious. Uh, you could even set this up to immediately go into effect anytime, even even if you just go under for surgery. So that's no hassle. Uh, uh, people don't have to, you know, go through the courts, or your doctors don't have to do this. Uh, having this on file again saves you a lot of headaches. State medical association websites carry the um, carry durable powers of attorney forms. You can ask your doctor, local hospital, uh, or contact a lawyer if 
your finances are a little bit more complicated. Now, if you only bank, if you're only banking at a couple institutions, uh, you might be able to use their in-house power of attorney forms to make this simple. But these are just, they're easy to do. Just do it. You'll be thankful. So will your loved ones. And then you can die in peace. Well, not yet, though, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you also need to put together a document that says this is where the money is, this is where the passwords are, this is the, right? I mean, right. Yeah. So we call it here and at the Motley Fool um, a letter from your dead relative because it basically says, here's where my insurance policies are, here's where I bank, here's where my safety deposit box, here's the combination to the safe. This is the name of my lawyer, my accountant, things like that. So this is the most uplifting it is. <laughs> episode of Molly Fool Buddy answers ever. This is important. Sometimes important things are not uplifting. Okay. Right, right. Because you never know. I mean, who knows where you've hidden money? Who knows where your life insurance policy is? So you you want to make sure your relatives know where that is. Yeah. All right. Next one, Robert. Increase your contributions to your retirement accounts or any other investment accounts. All right, so we all know. We've heard this. People should try to save as much as possible. Just about every study shows that people are not saving enough for retirement. Um, So get it in sooner than later. Um, Generally speaking, the stock market is up more often than it is not. When you look at it monthly, annually, every decade, better to get it in sooner rather than later. the contribution limit for 401ks is actually going up in 2015, so you can take advantage of that. And a lot of people wait until April 15th to make their IRA contributions. Uh, better to get that in early, too, because actually January is one of the best months for the stock market historically. historically. So okay. do it sooner rather than later. Cool. All right, number three, the third thing for you to do. Plan for big purchases. I mean, sit down with the calendar map out your planned purchases for the entire year. No, so, what are, no, but what are you talking about? Like, what are my plans for? Like, how big do I need to be? Like, I'm talking, you know, four figures Four and figures above. or more. Okay. Yeah. So, if you're planning to take a vacation on, in August, for example, put it on the calendar, ballpark guesstimate how much that's going to cost, uh, and then divide that amount by the number of weeks or months you have from now until then. Now you know how much money you're going to need for that. Uh, and you can save that up so you can actually take that vacation by and pay cash for it. Don't have to put it on the credit card, which is a great free and clear feeling for those big ticket purchases. And the reason I'm saying to, to do this, to start at the beginning of the year, is um, the trick is to keep this on your radar and top of mind as you go through maybe that maybe the thing is far off in the future. You're gonna forget, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't be buying, maybe I shouldn't be taking advantage of the BOGO shoe sale uh, because I'm saving for this exciting you know, trip to Hawaii for the family. So carry a reminder with you. Put a picture in your wallet, uh, hang something on the fridge, get a l- lovely frame at uh, TJ Maxx and make put it on your vision your board. You make your vision board. But do, but do have a constant reminder that this is something important and t- that we're saving for that's fun and that all of the dollar decisions I'm making on a day to day basis can, can either support that goal or maybe, maybe it's worth it to, to not support it with that particular latte you might need. But, uh, but you want to be, have it be thinking about it all the time. Time for number four, the fourth thing that you should do to get on the right foot financially for 2015. Robert? Take score of your investments. You know, part of your, one of the biggest factors of your future financial well-being will actually be how much you earn on your investments. And for most people, that's mutual funds. That's what people have in their 401ks and things like that. So um, it's interesting because there are actually two types of mutual funds, actively managed, in which you're paying 
a group of people in fancy suits to manage your investments, pick stocks, bonds, whatever it is. And then there are index funds, which basically very cheap mutual funds that just follow an index. Could be the Dow, could be the S&P 500, and by something cheap, like that. By cheap, you mean the fees that they charge Very you. low cost, almost right. minuscule. 2014 was one of the worst years for actively managed funds. It's very difficult to beat an index fund. Usually, two out of three can't do it. In 2014, it was closer than nine out of ten couldn't do it. So, um, they perform on average about 1.5% below an index fund. Over 20 years, that could be a difference of sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars from a percentage perspective. You'd have 20% less. So, what you should do is first of all choose an index fund if you have the option. Make sure it's a relevant index fund. S&P 500 for U.S. stocks. Another index fund for international stocks, maybe small stocks. Um, if you don't have those options in your 401k, go to Morningstar.com, put in the ticker, look on the performance tab, and you can see the comparison to other similar funds and make sure that you're picking out one that has above average performance. And if not, choose something else. But when you when you see the so if I go to check out how well a mutual fund performed, an actively managed mutual fund, and I see, you know, there's the little line, the chart goes squiggly up, 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 or down, down, down. That doesn't also tell me with fees added as well, right? Do I need to do some math to be like, oh, even though it underperformed the S&P, it actually underperformed the S&P another X amount because they charged me 4% or something like that to manage my money? No, the fees Is that are... a dumb question? Sorry. No, yeah. no, not at all. The fees are actually... that. It, the reason they're... Of- for a lot of the underperformance is actually just that the fees right. that they charge. It's not that these guys are such horrible stock pickers, but it's because that fund is paying marketing fees and salaries and all of the stuff that index funds aren't paying. So those fees added up are what contribute greatly to the underperformance of these funds. Right, the underperformance is 1.5 percent. It's not a coincidence that the average cost on a mutual fund is 1.5 percent. Right. All right. So finally, this brings us to our fifth and final thing for you to do, and that actually belongs to you, bro. You're going to talk about this one. That's right. So, we're talking about a lot of things that you have to do. There are plenty of other things that you do to get your financial house in order. Where do you find the time? You work during the day. Maybe you come home and you have to take care of the kids. We recommend a financial health day. Take time off of work. um, Move to a place where you have no distractions. Turn off the phone. Close down Facebook. um, And choose three to five things that you really need to get done and it's, you might miss a day of work, but it's going to pay off thousands and thousands of dollars in the future if it's something that will maybe help you spend better, save more, invest better, or protect your family more by doing something like getting the will and things like that. Um, so, all kinds of things. The top things generally for people, if you're younger, the best thing actually to do is just to make sure you're spending smart. Could be called a spending plan, called a budget, whatever it is. Might be a day when you learn how to use Mint or some other financial tool. Um, it's more important just to spend smart and just get money into your accounts. When you're older, when you have a bigger portfolio, um, you should be spending more time on making sure that you get good returns on your portfolio. I mean, if you have two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars, big difference between whether you earn five percent on your account or ten percent on your account. Right. So it sounds like uh, for younger people. Things you should concentrate on during your financial health day, the the, the day off that pays off. Uh, looking at your big ticket bills, are you paying too much for 
cable, for your car insurance, for your commuting costs, or whatever that is. And for older folks, like you said, concentrate on investment performance issues. So here's where you would start to look at fees that you're paying. Right. Um, also doing the look, measuring the performance of uh, if you have funds in your portfolio, how are they doing? If you're picking individual stocks, how are you doing right. uh, compared to the market? And um, and really concentrating on a couple big things that are going to give you a lot of bang for the buck, right? Or a lot of buck for the time, or however you want to say that. Right. We at the Molly Fool actually believe in this so much that we every year have a financial health day where employees are encouraged to not work that day. And just get stuff done. We also have classes and things like that. So, if our listeners want to have their own financial health day, either at their company or just their own personal day off, uh, we actually have a report that they can get um, a copy of. All you have to do is email us at financialhealthatfull.com. We'll send you this report. It's written by Robert and includes just really great checklists and other advice on how you can have your own financial health day. Um, once again, just shoot us an email to financialhealth.com at fool.com. We all agree that it is a great use of time. Also, the other thing about this is a lot of these things you have to do during the day. That's when banks are open. That's when mm-hmm. right. when the insurance company is open, when you can go see professionals. So, you almost have to take a day off to do a lot of this stuff. Yeah. So, don't feel guilty about Don't feel guilty about taking a day off to do yeah. this, right? No. Not at it's all. not like you're playing hooky cuz Lord knows you probably are not having a whole lot of fun doing this. That's true. But it's good for you. That's right. Hey, kiddos, it's Quiz Bowl time. I know that there can only be a one winner, but I want you to know that I'm rooting for both of you. Today's category is actually going to be geography. Oh, so no. You're gonna, you guys are going to do fine. This is, this is going to be fine. These are all money, sort of, finance, happiness-related questions relating to um, naming some places. So how this is going to work is I'm going to say the question. Each of you has a chance to respond, and we're going to see who has the most right answers. You'll figure this out. You'll be fine. All right. So the first question is: While our baby boomers here in the U.S. are retiring in droves, we don't even crack the top ten when it comes to countries with the most people over 65. So let's see who can name as many of the t- countries in the top ten for the oldest living population. This is per capita, I assume. I'll start with China. You are wrong. Really? Robert. Japan. Hey! All right, first point goes to Robert. I'm sorry, Diana. Oh, okay, next question. <laughs> I was gonna say geezer, Stan. Well, wait, now, Do you what are the going? other countries? Oh, you want me to say? So Japan is number one, followed by Germany, Italy, France. Greece, Sweden, Bulgaria, Finland, Portugal, France, Latvia, Austria. I think I'm at 10 right there. So, as you can see, Europe, I mean, there's a lot of old people in Europe. Particularly Western Europe. Yeah, they're going to have a... It's the red wine drinking. Yeah. Right? That that diet of olive oil and red right. wine and cigarettes. Somehow, <laughs> somehow it's a winning combination, the three. The, the reason, actually, is wealthier countries tend to have fewer kids. China's a, a different story, but yeah, that's part of the reason. Wow. Not only did he take the point from you, he added to it to show that's his right. knowledge. All right, next if you have money, you don't need kids. I think that's ultimately it. Yeah. And if you have kids, you certainly don't have money. Just kidding. We, we're here to help you have kids and money. If you want. If you don't, that's fine. You want it's a money. lifestyle choice. It's a lifestyle choice. All right. Next question. Which countries are the happiest when it comes to their financial situation? According to Gallup, 
they surveyed some countries and asked them how much they felt that they were financially thriving. So I've got the top 10 here of countries in the world. Who do you think the people feel like they are feeling good? You can go first. I'm going to say Canada. Canada is on the list. Diana. They have good music. I think that's part of it. Where's ABBA from? One of those Western European. Sweden. Um, Sweden. Yes! (laughs) You are. Sweden is number one on the list, in fact. You are the dancing queen. (laughs) All right, Robert, do you think you can try to name another one? Uh, Denmark. Yes. That's number three. Diana? They've been through some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to say Germany. Yes, Germany is on the list there. And it's just a coincidence that these are also the countries that have the the least number of children. Right. Pure coincidence. True. Keep huh? going. I didn't Keep even going. think about that. Keep going. What's another, name another oh, one? Another country? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Um, Finland. No. No. Oh. Diana for the win. Winner. You need to guess one more because right now you guys are tied. Oh. Belgium. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the kingdom of Belgium. Nice. Very good. All right. Final question. The tiebreaker, if you will. Are you ready? So Pew Research Center wanted to know which cities in the U.S. were the best and the worst for women looking to marry. Worst, D.C. So what they did... (laughs) Possibly Alexandria, Virginia, Virginia. where we're located. Um, So what they did is they looked at the largest metro areas with the highest and lowest ratios of employed single young men to single young women. So do you guys want to guess at which ones were at the top or which ones were at the bottom? Oh, Let's try top first. I think top is good. I'm going to go with Seattle. Seattle is on the list. One, two, three, four, five. There's fifth. Uh... Atlanta? Oh. Oh. Damn, I'm sorry. Atlanta is <laughs> not on the list. Number one was, in fact, San Jose, Sunnyvale, Santa Clara, which, if I had to guess, sounds like Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Then we've got second place was Denver, which is like the Silicon Valley of flyover states. And third was San Diego. Fourth, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Interesting. Seattle came in at fifth. And actually, Washington, D.C. area did make it on the list. At um, that looks like they're like seventh. <laughs> Maybe it's just you, Dan. It might just be me. All right, guys. Well, that is actually going to do it for today. Thanks all of you for coming along. And if you have questions, we have answers. You can drop us a line at answers at fool.com and ask us a question. While you're at it, let us know what was the worst gift you got over the holidays. We're just curious. For Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum, I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. Mm-hmm.